Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guest and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of expectations and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counsellor in Georgia. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. This is episode nine. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for your texts. Thank you for your comments. All of those things. I really appreciate it. And everyone sharing and talking about the podcast. It is really exciting. And I'm in loving this journey and loving this process. Today, my guest is a really close friend of mine. Her name is Kafria Hart. She is a devout student of life and love. She's fascinated by relationships, mathematics, science, logistics, and faith, all the things that make the world go round. She's a graduate of Georgia Tech, the Respect Institute, and the School of Hard Knocks. She's currently leading a full life as an engineer, mental health advocate, business consultant, wife, and mum of a neurological diverse household. Gafria's mantra is to make no decision driven by fear, daily pursuing deeper relationship with God, developing the courage to make fearless living possible. Fun facts. She believes the greatest invention of mankind is the audio book. She's a TED Talk junkie. She loves reading, teaching, talking and dancing. Now the dancing she also put here, Bianca Hughes was my pole dance instructor, aka me. That is a very true fun fact. But that's for another podcast. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. So welcome, Kofria, to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I am super duper excited to have you here. Me too. I'm honored. I'm honored. Really appreciate being invited. So everyone, Kofria is like one of my closest, closest friends. So I just want you guys to know, but she is just an amazing person. And um, she has just an amazing story, story to share. I just want to pre-warn, some of you might need some tissues, but um, she has a beautiful short story to share. And so we're going to go ahead and share some of that. But before we get started, what does authenticity mean for you? Uh, authenticity, let's see. Authenticity means to me being able to be who you are without the edits, uh, without the box, without the part of where you're deciding who your audience needs you to be in order for you to be accepted, but being able to be who you are, like I said, without the edits and without the box. I know for me, it's been a journey, but I think that journey, the reason I say without the edits and without the box is because I'm the type of person that is constantly calculating, like how much of myself can I present to this person, to this room, to this group? where they can handle it or where they can accept it. But it's been the journey of accepting myself, like that if they don't accept me, then that's basically the other person's problem. But that it's okay to be me, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not something that other people are used to, or if it's something that's a little bit different, that that's okay. And I don't have to necessarily edit that part out in order to be accepted. And honestly, what I found is that I've experienced more acceptance without the edit. Wow. So let's go back just a touch before you were mm-hmm. authentic. What was that like? Hmm, let's see. Uh, I used to call it the math. 
I feel like I had a different mask for different settings. I had a church mask. I had a work mask. I had, uh, you know, go back to before I got married, I had a mask based on the relationship, based on the man, you know, based on the friendship. I used to, I used to cry to my mom because I'm like, none of my friends match. And I, I felt like I had to be more, I had to be a different person with every friend, like literally each friendship that I had brought out a different aspect of my personality where I felt like I was literally a different person. And I felt like I couldn't be myself with anybody that I knew. Oh, edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> now we can. I had to tell her to take off her earrings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we can leave it in, guys. That's the authentic part. <laughs> oh. Okay. That's right. Authentic Wednesday. <laughs> but yeah. Embracing you- our imperfections. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, but just different people with your friends and your different places, work, church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a different faith. I had a different faith for every occasion, every relationship. Looking back, mm-hmm. what was the purpose of those masks? I think acceptance was the main drive, trying to attain acceptance versus rejection. I mean, a little bit of backstory about me. One, th- one of the things I learned when I first started seeking um, out therapy and getting counseling um, was that my childhood I, you know, I had a, some traumatic events in my childhood um, when my parents started to split up when I was about six or seven years old. They used to fight a lot. And me being the oldest child, I would, you know, do my best to protect my brothers and sisters. And I kind of took on some responsibility like, oh, if I do this this certain way, if I keep the house clean, if I, you know, make sure my hair is done and my sister's hair is done. If I'm really good, I won't have to bother my parents because they have their own problems right now. But what I learned in counseling is that I came up with like a list of rules that would check me off as good and kind of make things okay. And so I I developed this system of like contracts, like if this happens, then this happens. If this happens, then this happens. So that way of thinking in my childhood of if I'm doing all these things properly, then I will have peace in my household. My parents will pay attention to me and accept me and things like that. And that kind of filtered into other relationships as like a foundational way of interacting with people. So um, I found that that kind of went to like a hyperdrive, like the older I got, like in the background, I didn't realize it. But in the background, I was, I really had this machine together of like assessing a situation and making my to-do list of what I need to do in order to maintain acceptance or peace in that relationship. Wow. Sounds exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very exhausting. And it catches up. It catches up with you pretty fast. I mean, I mean, you would think it takes a while to catch up because I didn't have any, any issues that I noticed until my thirties really, um, where I actually started to feel the wear and tear Uh, like the weight where I felt tired. I literally felt emotionally tired and I did not know. And that's like when I first started to seek counseling, I literally was overwhelmed and I didn't know why. Like I started experiencing anxiety and all these kinds of things, but it was literally because emotionally I was exhausted by trying to keep up with this checklist with every single relationship that I had in order to maintain acceptance. Mm. And it's interesting because if I'm correct, it was a about the time you had were pregnant with your second child, 
that you started to go to counseling did the kind of did she kind of ruffle some feathers when she was in there (laughs) oh yes she did oh she turned it all the way up so uh yeah that was really my breaking point I was pregnant I was about eight months pregnant with Joya when I had my first full-fledged all-out panic attack where I was like what is going on I was big and pregnant and it was just a perfect storm of uh emotional events and things that I was going through on top of being pregnant and full of hormones and just really not feeling great about myself and uh my husband who was like you know he's a musician he's an actor he's an entertainer he was going through all these you know, wonderful experiences. And I felt like, you know, oh my God, my husband is like, he's all getting famous and I'm fat and I'm fat and ugly. And now he's going to leave me and find another woman and, you know, add that to when I, when I, so this is Authentic Wednesday. So I'll share just a little bit of background. Um, At that time, my mom had just gone through a divorce at, um, from my stepdad, or she was going through a divorce with my stepdad at that time. They had been married for 20 years. He left her for another woman. And it was, it, was a, it was a big deal because he had come home. He was in the Army. He came home after uh, being overseas for some time. Mm-hmm. And he didn't tell any of us. So keep in mind, this is my, I mean, they've been married for 20 years. So even though he's my stepfather, he's someone that I've grown to call dad. My children call him granddad. Um, this person, a, a huge part of my life. This is the person that my husband asked me for my hand in marriage, even though he's my stepfather. My husband asked my stepdad for my hand in marriage. He came back. You know, we had this big welcome party. He went to go to the store, get some food, and he never came back. We had, uh, you know, all night prayer vigils for him, thinking something happened to him. He was uh, on the side of the road somewhere, called the police, all this other kind of stuff. Only for after the investigation, it was found that he basically ran away. Wow. So that had also just happened. and. Um, then I had another close friend that I was in their wedding that was also going through the demise of their relationship. And I had, um, and I was dealing with grief from the loss of my two-year-old godson who had been killed by his own pet, where the dog, who was such a nice dog, just went wild and just decided to turn and attack this two-year-old boy. And so that all had happened within the past year. And I was pregnant and I was just overwhelmed emotionally. And I had all this stuff that had been going on in terms of how I process information. I've learned in counseling that there's this thing called, I I don't know if it's personalization where you take personal responsibility for stuff, but I had a big, heavy weight dealing with, I took responsibility for all of it. I took responsibility for what was going on with my mom. I took responsibility for my friend. I took responsibility for my two-year-old godson, even down to the point where I was like, I don't think I'm praying enough. If I had been praying more, this would not have happened. So all this stuff is going on. And I had a panic attack on the way to work, big and pregnant, had a panic attack. I started screaming and I couldn't stop screaming. I I pulled over. I was at work, like literally in a parking space. I couldn't go into the office. I just sat there and screamed until I couldn't scream anymore, until I calmed down. Um, One of my friends called me. I don't know if they just felt it. They called me and I was screaming and they kind of prayed for me in that moment. And I, um, I talked to another friend that I knew had been going to counseling and I made my appointment 
that day to start going to counseling and start getting some help for the things I needed help with. I knew something was going on with me mentally and emotionally that was that was more than the tools I currently had in my position. I'm a very, very strong believer in God, the word of God, I believe in prayer. And with all the prayer and all the fasting, I really believed in my heart that God was saying, there is more for you that you can do. There's tools outside of what you already have in your hands. And these people can help you. And that's when I started counseling. Wow. That's a lot. You were going through a lot. (laughs) What was it like as a Christian? Because there is this thing, you know, me being a counselor myself, a therapist myself, and also being a Christian, um, it's changing where the church is being a lot more open to it. But I think in particular at the time that when you went, it wasn't like it is now because it was a few years ago. What was that like as a believer in those times being like, oh my gosh, I'm having a panic attack. I'm going for anxiety and Mm -hmm. I have to see a counselor. Was that hard? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the way that I processed it at the time was that I wasn't believing God the right way. Mm. I processed it as I wasn't casting my cares or I wasn't, um, you know, John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled because I was letting my heart be troubled. That's how I, I, that's how I processed it. Oh my God. Like I'm letting my heart be troubled. Lord, you know, help me. Like I felt like I was doing something that wasn't pleasing to God or that I I was full of something like doubt. I thought it was like, I thought everything was like a demonic torment and things like that. And I processed it very negatively towards myself in terms of my performance as a Christian. Wow. Which, um, thankfully the first, uh, my first counselor in the first, uh, therapeutic, you know, organization that I went to for help was a Christian based organization. Um, And they believed in counseling, like their mission, Grace Ministries, their mission is to bring that into the realm of like the, the Christian mindset that counseling is a good thing. Counseling is of God. Counseling is something that does not mean that you don't believe God. Counseling is something that's a necessary part of maintaining your health as a person just like going to the doctor and all this kind of stuff. So in that first few sessions, I learned a lot that kind of changed my own personal stigma about getting counseling, about even the even my feeling that, oh my God, there is something seriously wrong with me. Like, no, this is like, no, this is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. Based on what you've gone through, this is, this is par for the course. You've been through a series of traumatic things that have not been addressed appropriately. So this is what happens. Like you're not just this weak person. You're not a weak Christian. You're not a bad person or a defective person. You're just a person that fortunately has finally come to the realization that this is a normal part of my health that I need to now address these things and and get therapy for what I've been experiencing. Wow. Okay. What were some of the takeaways that were helpful for you? Oh my God, how long we got? Um, <laughs> well, let's give. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just talk about this first time because we know we have to talk about mm-hmm. analysis time. But mm-hmm. let's say the top five. Okay. Top five things. Okay. Uh, so, one thing that was tremendously helpful for me is. Uh, and I'm thankful for Christian counseling with this, is that I realized that I had quite a few idols, like 
in terms of think of how to say this. It's like as Christians, it's about being in a relationship with God. It's about knowing and experiencing him. It's not about these things, these concepts that we place on a pedestal, like marriage, for example. Like I really felt like going in that in order to maintain these different concepts, like my marriage, my friendships, uh, my career, that I had to make this perfect sacrifice. It almost reminds me of like, if you think about if, when you read books about, you know, these different tribes that feel like, oh, I have to sacrifice this virgin into the volcano, then the gods will be pleased and they will give us rain. It's like, I didn't realize that whatever my traditional religious mindset was, I didn't realize that I had a mindset like that with all these different concepts. Like I have to make these sacrifices. I have to do this and do that. If this happens this way, my God will give me satisfaction in my marriage. My marriage will stay together. I will keep this job and I will excel and I will get promotions. I will do all this stuff if, if I do this. So all that conditional thinking and all these, these conceptual images of God those things were totally not real. And I realized that I needed to look at things for what they were. And I needed to look at each relationship as it was and not as a concept, if that makes sense. Um, I know that's kind of, that's kind of deep, you know, since I'm trying to think of a simpler way to put it, but I, I realized that I, I needed to look at my relationships for, for I, oh, okay. Okay. I think I know something, a, a simpler way to put it. When I was a, you know, when we're children, when we look at our parents, they're like these entities, like they're, they're, they're more than just the relationship. They're like, oh, they're my parents. They're grownups. Like, oh, look, there's marriage. Marriage is this thing, you know, like it's this conceptual thing, but it's just like, they're just people. It's like, they're just people. Like my husband was a person. My husband wasn't this, this big monster of volcano that I had to figure out how to please him and to stay in my relationship. He was a person. His name, his name is Ryan. He's a person that I know very well, you know, and God is the same way. God is a person. He's a person that I know very well. Like he's more than just this big creature that I have to appease all the time. All my relationships were like that. And I realized through counseling, one of the number one things that I, um, I ended up taking away is to look at each of these things that were important to me in my life and look at Look at it in the simplest terms of how I relate to that situation. What is my job to me? Who is my husband? Who is God? Like, and like, look at the relationship instead of this big concept that I've been carrying around with me for my whole life. Um, because those concepts were like, they were, they were like gods to me, all these things I was trying to appease. Um, the second thing I've already said was the contracts all these conditional rules that I'm like basically signing and say, I have to do this in order for this to happen. Because I did learn in processing through a lot of those situations that all of my contracts were wrong and they were, they were all lies and they were basically tools to keep me locked into condemnation and telling myself that I wasn't a good person and something was wrong with me. And then um, I would say the third thing that was just huge was that it's very important to give yourself time to process the things that happened to you. I realized that um, part of what led me to that point is that 
because I had all this stuff going on emotionally, I had also developed a habit of filling my life up with stuff so that I wouldn't have to ever deal with it. I remember writing down a list of things to do because I'm an engineer by trade and all I do is figure out how to make things more efficient and more effective and all this stuff. And so I decided one day I was going to, I was going to do this whole process improvement initiative for my life and my schedule. And I made a list of everything I had to do and how long I wanted to do it. And when I tallied everything up, it was 28 hours worth of stuff. There's only 24 hours in a day. 24 hours in a day, yet I had this list of things that I was doing every day that in order to do it perfectly, I would need 28 hours. So I was setting myself up basically to fail and feel condemned at the end of every day because I couldn't do all this stuff every day. And I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't do all. And I didn't realize I was packing more into my day than I could actually do. And then I realized that when I was in counseling, the reason I was doing so much stuff, I mean, I had a full-time job. You know, I had a, a daughter, only one daughter at the time. I had my husband. I had a nonprofit organization um, that, you know, I was doing all this stuff for. I was serving at the church. I was in the choir. I, you know, like it was all this stuff that I was doing. I mean, every single day, like even my weekends were so full. And I realized I was doing it because I really did not want to deal with the emotional things that I had going on. I was just push it to the side. And that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That eventually builds up to the point where you have a screaming fit, you know, on the way to work. But I realized that you have to take time to process. And that was the first time I started. And I, I used to journal a little bit, but that was when I first started journaling and taking time to sit down, think about the things that I've been through and process the way that I the way that I reacted, the way I thought about it, why I thought about it, why I did the things that I did, what I really needed from the person I was interacting, what I got from them, what they needed from me. Um, and that was key. That has been key. This whole journey, this whole mental health journey is taking time to sit down and process and not try to just fill my life up with things to forget and push it out, push it to the side. Okay, cool. So, well, I had asked for five, but if three is fine, that was that was good. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so, processing, I think part of being authentic is just speaking truth, right? We don't do everything perfectly, right? Nope. <laughs> and sometimes we have to you know, do things over and over or make them part of our routine, um, like processing, because if we don't, you can get back into that same situation, right? In that same type, mm -hmm. type of cycle. I often have clients who come in and like, well, I thought we did this already, or why am I back here? Or are you mad that I'm, I'm I worked in a hospital? It's like, oh, I'm back again. I feel so ashamed. I'm like, why you're, you, you know, you're seeking help. Like it doesn't matter if you're, you know, coming back again. What matters is, is you, you know, life happens. Like life is not perfect. Perfect is imperfect. And it happens. With that being said, life happened again to you. Yeah. And so it's a year ago now. It's almost a year. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about that. Tell us about, your son Benjamin and just how amazing and beautiful he is um mm -hmm. and just that whole experience with Benjamin 
Okay. Can do flash forward. Uh, last year, I was pregnant with a baby boy. He was born early and he did not make it. He did not survive. So that was a big hit for me, my whole family emotionally. We have two lovely girls, prayed for a little boy. And we're so excited that we were having a little boy and, you know, got some bad news from the doctor. When we went to find out the sex of the baby, of course, went into full-fledged prayer, you know, mode, believe in God for him to make it through and survive. However, a few days later, my water broke. I had him early and he did not make it. That was March 2018. So coming through that and, you know, you know, going to God, I've been, I've been in counseling at this point, you know, for three and a half, you know, four years. I had my list of things that I just knew to do. Like I made my appointments with my counselor to go to grief therapy. You know, I started praying and casting my cares and I was journaling. I took, you know, I took my maternity leave, you know, time off and, you know, was reading the word and I don't grieve like those who have no hope and checked all my boxes and I was good. Right. I felt like I had done my Christian and, you know, therapy with duty to handle that grief and get over it. Ha ha ha. Um, that's a little fake laugh because I wasn't over it. And I think, I mean, most people that I talk to, of course, would shake their heads like, why would you think you'd be able to get over the death of a child in six weeks or two months? But I did. I did think that. I thought, like you were just mentioning, Bianca, that, you know, you know, if I know the right thing to do and I do the right thing, that I should be able to move beyond these uncomfortable life things that happen, um, even when it's a, a, a very impactful loss. I felt like as a champion that I am, I should be able to power through it. Well, I tried that. I did try to power through it. And about six months later. Can I interject? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you guys remember, she is my really good friend. And I'm a therapist. And um, definitely, I would even say, you know, I'm definitely been impacted um, by Benjamin's passing. But I do mm -hmm. remember. Um, my friend and she's like I'm good I'm good and in my head I'm rolling in my eyes like mm, okay <laughs> I'm good God is so good mm -hmm. yeah I love Jesus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay and I just waited I just want to say guys I waited um mm -hmm. sometimes you know something and you need to say it other times you know something and you just wait yes Yes, indeed. And uh, yes, uh, and Bianca, my authentic friend. Yes. I mean, there were little milestones. I remember us talking. You were one of my few safe spaces, I feel like, where eventually, because it wasn't right away, um, eventually I was able to open up in those moments where I'm all, yeah, God is good. I'm feeling blessed. And it's just like, well, when you say you're not okay, that opens up the door for people to be able to pray for you and stuff. So I had my safe space. I was thankful for but overall, I was pushing through. And six months later, I had a full breakdown where I went into a full depression episode where I, I had trouble leaving the house and getting out of bed. Uh, I was not able to work. I had to go out on disability and then ended up going into a treatment center for seven weeks in order to process through and work on restoring 
the things that were broken from that that stint of trying to power through. And really, even though I thought I went down my checklist of dealing with the grief and what happened to me when my, my sweet little boy that I've been praying for, when his life was a lot shorter than I expected, I thought I did what I needed to do, but I hadn't. So like you said, Bianca, I considered myself a veteran at that time. Like I shouldn't have to go through this. The anxiety, because I, I, you know, initially the anxiety is what. Wait, hold on. Tell me why Mm -hmm. you thought you shouldn't have to go through this. Because that's, that's Mm -hmm. a statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I didn't have to go through it because I thought I knew everything. I really thought I, I knew about therapy because I was, you know, I had, I had been a big advocate for getting therapy. And um, I'm, of course, you know, I, I believe God, I, you know, I believe everything that the word says. So I felt like I had my checklist. I didn't realize that, you know, even though I, I quote unquote through therapy had come out of a checklist type of mentality, I still had a checklist that just included therapy in order to get through any situation with an A plus. You know, and that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get an A plus and like get done with grieving, which of course I've learned there is no done. There is no done. I mean, you have cycles, you know, of of things that you deal with for any relationship, for any loss. And this has been no different. I think this has probably been the most significant loss I've experienced, you know, in my life. And I've experienced a lot, but you know, the the loss of my baby boy just hit me in a way that I really needed a lot of help to deal with. And so that was another thing. It's like, even though I thought I, that there was this amount of help that I needed, and I'm, I know we're, we're audio, so I put my fingers together like a little pinch, but I thought I needed this much help. But the truth is I needed this much help. And now my hands are like spread, like as far apart as they can spread. I need a lot more help than I thought um, to get through that. And I think one of the things that I had to also learn, and, and Bianca and I have talked about this throughout our whole relationship too, receiving help has been an issue. I think another goal that I had subconsciously is to, I knew I needed help, but I almost had a goal of using as little help as possible instead of as much help as I could get. And I think that my mindset on that has changed throughout this whole ordeal. It's like now my mindset is get all the help you can get. Don't just try to say, oh, let me just take a teeny little, just a teeniest bit of help. And then I can just get through. And that means that I'm a stronger person if I don't need as much help. Like sometimes it takes more strength to ask for help and receive help than it does to get through it without help or with a minimal amount of help. So I want to talk about the other side of that, Um, being her friend, being your friend. It was scary to me. I said I waited. So at this point, I wasn't waiting. She wasn't returning my phone calls or my texts. And I was like, if she does not return it, I'm going to call her husband. If you don't pick up, I'm going to go to the house. Because I knew something was wrong. Now, time guys we don't always do this but when you know when you know something's wrong sometimes you've got to do stuff that are out of the ordinary um sometimes you have to do stuff because you are aware that maybe that other person doesn't realize what it is so I knew and then she admitted it via text and I was like okay and then she was admitted more than more and I think this is just the thankful for being a therapist I was like no this is no you need more like this is not 
you know, you know, you'd gone to the doctor and things like that. And I was like, no, I feel like you need like a partial, a PHP program, which is a partial hospitalization program. I said, you sound like you need more support, like your actions and what you're doing, you know, speaking to those people when she, you know, you couldn't get out of bed. (laughs) You know, she wasn't working and this girl loves to work. Trust me. Like she loves to work. (laughs) Way more than me. And, yes. um, and so this is just talking from the person from the other side. And I was scared. I was scared. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen to my friend. I didn't know what was happening. I also knew that, you know, she was resistant to help. I was scared because I couldn't control her. And I was mm. scared what would happen um, and losing my friend. And so it's like there were points where I had to be direct and push. And there was points where you just have to like, just wait and just yeah. like trust the um the process and I think I turned up on the I'm not gonna say where you went but she went to a treatment center <laughs> and it wasn't quick enough <laughs> and I called in my contact so um mm-hmm. I was scared like and I even had to apologize yeah. to the person I spoke to because I was like listen I this is just my friend and this is not like her and um I need her to get help um, so just a shout out to you guys that sometimes you have to be a bit persistent and I know it can be challenging when you're trying to get into a treatment center. Um, if you can get the that's great, but that's one thing I did find out that it's it's challenging and having the support is great. And so you went, you went, you did awesome. Yeah. Thank um, you. I feel like you came out like a changed woman, in particular in your faith. Yeah, this is such a good conversation. I feel like we need to have like a part two because <laughs> there was so much. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, man. I and I'm all. You got me crying talking about the um, all that stuff. I love you so much. Oh my god. Yeah, but um, I was tearing up too. I appreciate you, man. It was scary, and yes, like my faith went to another level during that experience because I got to know God even more um, in that vulnerability. I had to really, I say this, Bianca was scared and I was scared too, because I've never been that in that place. That was a darkness I had not experienced in that place of where I literally was not able to function as a mother. I was running away from my children. My youngest daughter um, was diagnosed with um, autism spectrum disorder, and um, which caused her to have tantrums and things like that. She has special needs. And at that point, I was unable to even interact with her at, at certain moments because it was too overwhelming for me. I was, I was hiding out in the closet from my own child. And I wanted to get help. I had to go to a place of surrender and vulnerability that I'd never been before. Even in allowing Bianca in to help me the way that she did was something I'd never done. It was a it was a place of exposure, I don't think, since I was a child that I had ever been able to reach. But in that moment of need, I was able to get there. And I mean, many people have heard that the Bible says, you know, let the little children come to me. And I feel like in that moment, being in that state where I, I basically returned to a level of humility and surrender like a child. And in that moment, I was able to reconnect with God in a way that I hadn't been able to before. And that was the place I had to be to, to be able to receive everything that my treatment was able to offer me in the groups and in the one-on-one session to receive the help that I was able to get from my friends and from my husband. 
that place also allowed me to develop my relationship with God to a different place of trust than I ever been able to get to before. Wow. And you interacted with yourself differently too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So before that time. Living her best life. (laughs) 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 I remember the conversation you had. Girl, I'm not even worrying about debt or money or finances or debt cancellation. I'm I'm focused on living my best life. Yes. Oh, my God. That was funny. She's like, I'm not going to lie. She's like, that's what my focus focus is, living my best life. That was funny. Yes. I, it, you you know, hey, it gives you a whole different perspective. Like if you kind of scoop out the bottom on something emotionally, like I realized it was really important to me to be happy. I mean, there was a lot of sacrifices I was making prior to going through the depression and anxiety and everything that happened. Or even, even just right after, like right after Benjamin was born and, and he passed away, I realized that you know, because that was dark too. Like right after he passed away, just the immediate grief of that was just a very dark time. And I, I yearned for fun. I yearned to be able to enjoy life. And I realized that that was a value for me. I didn't realize how much of a value enjoying life was. And that, uh, you know, I, 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 I've used the example for other friends because that's the other thing, you know, I'm, I'm the person who I love to give advice and never take my own advice. So working on that, embracing my imperfections, so I had to, you know, I, I tell other people, you know, hey, I mean, sometimes you have to focus on the basics for you. Like it's, it's life support right now. Like when you when you hooked up to life support, you're not worried about nothing else, but just getting that stuff that you need to survive. And I realized for me at that moment, the life support was me for me was to smile and to laugh and to whatever the weight that was burdening me that made me feel like I have to do it. In my processing with God, I learned that I have to is a place of bondage. Everything I do is a choice. Everything I do is a choice. So everything that I was telling myself I had to do, I challenged it. And when I challenged I have to for I choose to, I started realizing that I would choose different than I have to. And I started to develop the courage. And I feel like this came from God. I feel like in my relationship with God, God gave me permission to choose what I wanted to choose versus the things I was telling myself I had to do, which led to like what you're saying, Bianca, I started living my best life because instead of the have tos, I chose to, and my chose to were fun. Mm, man. Yeah. Kofria, I think we're going to have to do like a part two at some point. <laughs> I know. I know. I can't believe the time just flies. Like this is so 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 good so let's see what are some resources on whether they're podcasts whether they're videos books or activities even that have been helpful that you would like to share okay yeah sure one of the things that I've learned on my journey that's really been helpful for me especially if you've been through something very traumatic is to get into your body and out of your head I'm a very cerebral person I try to reason everything away and make logic out of everything. And I, I found that that was kind of part of the problem. I needed to stop trying to reason and logic and just do something physical. And this was also suggested to me by multiple therapists. And I found it to be so impactful. So that is, you know, I started dancing again. I started drumming, like playing the drums, like things you can do with your hands. I started woodwork. Um, one of the things that was really powerful about the treatment facility that I went to is they offered horticulture, you know, gardening, building things with your hands, like, like clay making and woodworking. Those things really helped me 
get into my body and out of my head. And I think that was so key to me healing through some of the trauma that gets locked into our body. So I would highly recommend that resources such as books. There's this book called Feeling Good. I need to look up the author, but it's Feeling Good. It's a, a book that I think a lot of therapists probably swear by. I'll get it to Beyonce. By if she doesn't Byrne. know it. To, yes, Dr. Byrne. Dr. Byrne. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that is it. That book really helped me because it breaks down the things that feed into depression in a way that is simple. Um, some people think it's oversimplified sometimes, and it might, it might be a little oversimplified, but um, on the whole, I think that it being in those simple terms and the way that the language is, it's very easy to understand. And it really helped me identify certain things that I could process through. Because sometimes you need language to process. I'm the type of person that I need to have like some language to kind of go through identifying the things that I'm dealing with as I'm processing. And that book by Dr. Byrne was instrumental in me being able to take my processing to a new level, specifically with the depression. Mm, cool. Did you um, find any resources or any help in regards to, you know, mothers who have lost a child, um, in particular to stillbirth? Because um, yeah. I know that's an area that's not really talked about a lot. And I know you discovered that it's something that's also quite common. Um, mm -hmm. Did you find any resources or any resources to share for that? Yes. So uh, Heartstring um, is a nonprofit organization um, that focuses on infant loss, both miscarriage, stillbirth, and neonatal like birth, like if you're born, the child may you know, die at three months or five months. Um, due to complications in childbirth, and they focus on all of that. And they um, they have events every year. They have they have memorial ceremonies uh, for children, and they provide groups like group sessions, like support groups. That's the word I'm looking for. They they have support groups for parents and family members and siblings. So um, they were able to provide me and my family with lots of resources, resources to help my child. I mean, my, my, she's 10 years old now, but at the time she was eight years old and she was really excited about having a little brother and she took his death very hard. And that was something that's very challenging as a parent for me to be able to coach my child through the loss of her little brother. And Heartstrings gave me, they gave us books, you know, they gave us materials and things to help you talk to your child about the loss of their sibling and um, you know, resources for me and my husband as well. And they even, they sent us a card on his original due date because he was born early and it gave us ideas of honoring the baby because that helped me out a lot, like figuring out different ways of honoring him. Like um, even to this day, like I paint my nails and my, my toenails yellow every time because yellow is the color for babies born in March. And I keep that as a reminder to, to help me honor him. And that really helped me, you know, like feel good about, you know, him being here and keep his memory alive for me, you know, and my family. So Heartstrings, I think, is the main resource that, you know, I, I clung to. And uh, I know we didn't even get into, I'm, I'm going all into the autism mom resources, but that's going to have to be for part two, too, because we didn't even get into <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll have to come back and, and, and talk about mm -hmm. that lovely Joya. Um, and, you know, being a mother with a child with um diagnosis autism and you know what that's like as well where can and how can people shower you with love how can they shower me with love so i'm on instagram free a heart f-r-e-e-y-a-h 
H-E-A-R-T. Um, that's my Instagram handle. And I share a lot of stuff on there. I'm not on there all the time because as I'm living my best life, I haven't been on social media as much. But I do attempt to post things that are uplifting and just things in my life. I, I try to be authentic. My page is open. It's open for that reason, honestly, because I want other people to know that there, there's Christians out here that have dealt with depression, that have had a stillborn child, that have had miscarriage, that, are, that have kids that deal with autism. And we're out here still surviving and thriving, you know, with our husbands. So my page is open. But if y'all want to connect with me, please do it there. Um, yeah. Okay, perfect. And we're going to put all of those um, information in the show notes for you guys as well. Just thank you so much for just sharing your journey with us, um, Kofria. And um, I'll definitely be thinking about part two. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Bianca. I'm honored to be on your podcast. I think it's amazing. And I'm just so excited just with everything that you're doing. And I'm just staying tuned to see what you're going to do next. You know me. Um, I'm definitely one of your biggest fans, I'll say. <laughs> Thank you. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following our Instagram, Authentic Wednesday Podcast, and visiting our website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination. <laughs>